0: I was not expecting controversial pastor Greg Locke to appear on my friend Dr. Michael Brown's channel and be held accountable for some of his wild statements. Now, if you're not familiar with Greg Locke, he's most famous for viral Twitter moments like this.
1: You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. Three of you are in this room right now. You devil-worshiping Satanist witch. We've always kept our church open and we would never close. And if they come to our tent... To impede
2: upon our First Amendment right, then we'll meet them at the door of the tent with our Second Amendment right. And Dr.
0: Michael Brown is known for not pulling any punches when having confrontational discussions and debates. And that is exactly what happened when Dr. Michael Brown confronted Greg Locke on his own show regarding some of these statements. But what was most unexpected to me is how this conversation Actually in
1: Bruce line
0: Greg Locke getting confronted by Michael Brown it turning into a direction I wasn't expecting for it to go and one question that wasn't asked here is the beginning of the I think the meat of the conversation right here
1: my dirty socks you cannot be a Democrat and a Christian you cannot somebody say amen the rest of you get out get out get out in the name of Jesus. I ain't playing your stupid
3: games. <laughs> All right. So here's my question, sir. Yep. I've interacted with black Christians that I know to be God-fearing people. They hate abortion. They hate homosexual practice. They stand against these things. In their view, their vote doesn't change those things. But when they vote for a Democrat, he works with them in the education system. They work in the court system. When they vote Republican, they feel that they get no hearing. They have no influence. So they've said, hey, we agree with you on these points, but we don't think we're going to change that via voting. But our vote does make a difference in other ways. That's why we vote Democrat. Uh, first, do you regret the way you said anything? That's number one. And number
0: two, what do you say to people? Who- so one thing that I think is also missing from this entire you can't be a Christian and vote Democrat is this. This policy is a disagree, and I haven't voted Democrat in any of the last two elections. So just so you know, I am not a Democrat, not registered Democrat. I haven't voted Democrat. However, this is such a broad generality because there's local Senators, there's pro-life Democrats, right? And Dr. Michael Brown makes the point of, well, there's certain policies that certain communities like the black community may align with. And so it's not as, as a cut and dry when you're looking not just at president, you're also looking at local people, you're looking at senators, you're looking at congressmen, right? So it's, it's a bit broader of an issue than you can't go to my church if you vote Democrat. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Again, when there are in local government pro-life Democrats. So the folks who passed the heartbeat bill in Alabama were pro-life Democrats. So just a little caveat there. God-fearing and do vote Democrat.
2: So people need to understand that church discipline is something that was very well-practiced in the New Testament. And so what I said may have been very fiery and forceful. I mean, I really have had a gut full of it. And so people need to recognize the context of our church. We have CNN show up almost. on. A-
0: so he says, you know, I said it was fiery and fury, but people have to understand the context of our church. Interesting.
2: The, basis, the Washington Post, the New York Times, you know, all the major, you know, fake news outlets, if you will. And so there comes a point where, you know demonstratively and publicly i'm like look i'm going to take a stand because these people need to just stop because we're not going to roll over we're not going to we're not going to get under a rock i'm not going to go silent at this particular point so sometimes i can come off very half-cocked or as some people would characterize me as a jerk for jesus as it were but i have a church to protect <laughs>
0: yeah, Jerk for jesus.
2: so he did it
0: because he has a church to protect
2: People need to understand the context of who I'm asking to walk out. It's not that I'm saying every single person that even in some, you know, smaller primary or in some school board district or for mayor is voting Democrat is a low down sorry individual. I think nationally across the board, there's no way you can line up Democrat policies with the word of God. However, to be fair, in the same message, I also called out Republicans. And I said, look, they're two heads of the same snake as far as I'm concerned. And although I find myself voting more and more Republican to this day, I'm an equal opportunist, you know, when I get fired up in the pulpit because I've I've called out Trump on a number of occasions about the vaccine and things. And so I, I very equally call out the evil in both parties. And so I kind of hope that answers it because we need to understand the context of our church. We're very much always either being in the news or being taken out of the, out of context by the news. And so So he says context, I, you know,
0: I, I want to hear from you guys. I feel like whenever somebody says something out of pocket, the default has been to, no, you're taking it out of context. And I think that was a pretty wild statement, but it's just the tip of the iceberg with Greg Locke.
2: And I've even told our church, even before this most recent rant you know, that has got me on the show today, and that is, you know, God really did use a lot of controversy and a lot of political involvement to build our platform. But he didn't build our platform for political involvement. And so I really started—
0: God used controversy to (laughs) but he didn't use it for political involvement. That, That hold on, I gotta run that back. That sounds like he just said the same thing and then instantly contradicted himself.
2: I really did use a lot of controversy and a lot of political involvement to build our platform.
0: God used controversy and a lot of political involvement to build our platform.
2: But he didn't build our platform for political involvement. And so I
0: God used a lot of controversy <laughs> but it but he didn't build it for that. Huh? I am so confused. How? How and again, there's one question that wasn't asked that I would love to hear if you're a follower of Greg Locke. I would love to hear you answer this question at the end when I get there because we got some more stuff we got. We got some work to do, okay?
2: You know, people don't hear of you know, we've baptized four thousand converts in two years. I mean, it's been beautiful just just to watch what the Lord has done. In our midst, and even in my transition denominationally, and so everybody hears politics, politics, politics.
0: So he says he baptized four thousand people, two thousand people. I think this numbers ends justify the means line of thinking could be dangerous. Just because people are showing up, just because you're getting a crowd, just because people are getting baptized, that doesn't mean that the methodology and the how of your ministry approach is healthy and helpful. Because then we get into pragmatism. Then we say bigger is best. Right. Just because there's a big crowd doesn't always mean that this is something that is 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 healthy. Okay, a lot of unhealthy false teachers can draw a crowd that doesn't mean that it's good. This is called the bandwagon fallacy because something is popular. Therefore, it's good because we baptize people because you wouldn't apply this to. Well, you know, there's uh, uh, millions of people that take a pilgrimage to Mecca every year. No, 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 no. You don't. You wouldn't apply that same logic. Right
2: the end of the day, we don't have a white house problem. We have a God's house problem because we have so many pastors that aren't willing to actually preach the truth. And I do think we have to have political involvement. I mean, John, the Baptist got his head cut off for various reasons.
0: So he's saying pastors don't want to preach the truth. This is Dr. Michael Brown's entire ministry. I say there's a plethora of pastors not watering down the gospel, preaching the truth, preaching against sin. The difference is they're not politicizing it.
2: And so they didn't kill Jesus because of what he did. Never a man spake like this man spake. They killed Jesus because of what he said. And I think far too often pastors are so, can I use the phrase, woke, that they just they don't want to walk into the controversial areas. And so I think what I have become in some ways to a lot of people is somebody that is saying what they kind of wish their pastor would say.
3: Got it. All right, so so let, let me respond, push back, raise a question there. Yep. Um, I'm involved in controversy 24-7. I get credible death threats. Yep. I can't go to one particular country because of statements I've made about radical Islam. When I speak at college campuses, if they can get me on, we have to have police protection. I don't ever think it's needed, but they insist I can't come on the campus uh, every day. I mean, right to minutes ago, I get blasted as a homophobe, transphobe. Virtually every week, without fail, I'm addressing controversial issues. I'm taking a stand on uncomfortable things and constantly hearing from people. Dr. Brown, you say what I want to say. That's why I'm introduced as, as your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. And yet, when I push back... Against the failed Trump prophecies, all that thus saith the Lord's that did not come to pass. When I push back against that, when I push back against QAnon conspiracies, or frankly, when I push back against your words, which you'll we'll play and you'll clarify, okay? But when I push back, now I'm now I'm sissified. Now I'm mm. a coward. Mm. Now, and and I don't mind. I mean, it comes with the turf. I get lied about, attacked sure. day and night. You know, that's not an issue to me. But what I find to be an issue is it seems if you do not join the gospel with a militant, partisan, political spirit and an angry tone of voice. You're going to be considered weak or woke. And that
0: one time for Dr. Michael Brown. He said, when you don't join in with this political partisan and sharing the gospel, you're dismissed as weak or woke. We see this all the time. If you're not as anti-woke as me, if you're not as conservative as me, if you're not as fill-in-the-blank as me, if you're not as this as me, if you're not as Calvinist as me, if you're not as this as me, well, then you're a Marxist, you're woke, you're weak, because you're measuring you're measuring your allegiance to Christ and not by the things that you're known for. You're measuring your allegiance to Christ by the things that you're against. And so you don't really have people that are friends and colleagues and allies. You just have comrades because you guys just rally against these five things. So I think it's really interesting that if in certain crowds, if you're not as anti as fill in the blank about this thing, then you're instantly dismissed as weak and woke and whatever. That, that, that's, that's very unfortunate.
3: Really concerns me because it's it's is blending a a hyper patriotism with the gospel Mm. as if it's one and the same, and it's almost like if I don't preach with a rifle by my side, that I'm not a real Jesus lover. I mean, so something's very wrong these days, and that's what deeply concerns me, and and that's why I spoke out uh, about these things. So that's the concern I have, and again, to me, that's got nothing to do with the gospel. I'll die for Jesus. I'm again, that's I'm a Jewish follower of Jesus since I got saved 50 years ago. All I've known is controversy, always, you know. And people I've laid hands on and sent out to preach at least at least a half dozen have been martyred. So I I understand these things.
0: Yeah, it just gave me chills down to my back. He said, "I've laid hands on people. Half a dozen of them have been martyred. People he's prayed for have been martyred for the gospel. <sighs> like we're talking real persecution. We're talking really losing your life for your faith. Not this." The government's out to get me. Nonsense.
3: But to me, there's this really unhealthy blurring of things in America. And if you don't have a certain style and anger, like I said, almost an angry partisan political spirit, you're not bold. Mm. That concerns me.
2: But I think it shocks people that two men that really do have a lot in common uh, all of a sudden seem to go after each other in the body of Christ. And I think it kind of shocked a lot of people. And so it kind of put a little bit of blood in the water. Because here's a little...
0: I said this in the comment I left on this video. Greg Locke sounds like he is on his best behavior and he was called into the principal's office. <laughs> this entire conversation, that's the energy of it. I wish he would have kept some of that same viral, you know, I'm going to make a statement and, and go crazy on the Internet energy in this conversation. Where was that? where was that where why 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 are we so tamed and everything's out of context right
2: yeah because you don't know this dr brown but i'm going to share it with you on the show because you know i'm grateful to be on the program but here's a little thing you don't know the reason i kind of came out hot at the beginning and i was like my goodness because i mean i mean my phone was blowing up dr brown called you out you know all these, these people you know political people christian people and social media
0: and and rightfully so he called you out rightfully so
2: and so they were all going crazy so i went and i read it and of course i made my comment but here's what you don't know you were probably one of the top three most influential people to get me out of cessationism when i was really transferring and and transforming you know through the power of the gospel our whole ministry i mean i can't
0: so he said dr michael brown got him out of cessationalism if you are a cessationist go watch dr michael brown's debate with doug wilson by the way i like doug wilson's post-millennial views not sure if That's how it's going to end from an eschatological standpoint. But I like his views on that. And watch Dr. Michael Brown debate him on that. By the way, Dr. Michael Brown's been trying to debate John MacArthur on this topic uh, in terms of continuationism versus cessationism. Check, Check that debate out. And so he makes this revelation that Dr. Michael Brown actually pulled him out of that. If you guys don't know people who are cessationalists believe that the gifts have ceased and are no longer active when the Bible was canonized and we have the full revelation through scripture.
2: A very strict, militant, independent, fundamental King James only, you know, type of a a Baptist background for many years as an evangelist.
0: So he was a KJV only guy and he's transitioned out of that. That actually provides some context in terms of some of his framing and the way he's making these statements
2: and your books and videos helped me understand. And so with you not even knowing it, you were like a spiritual father to me and you really discipled me out of some stuff. And so all of a sudden, when you came out hot, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so it it, kind of did shock me and it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. And so I'm like, what in the world has happened to this guy? But I look back now and I see why you came out that way. But you have to understand from my vantage point, you had helped me in my journey in the ministry. And then all of a sudden, one of these guys that I looked to kind of blew my face off and I felt like you kind of like sided with the enemy. Does that make sense?
3: Absolutely. Totally unaware of that. And I, I appreciate you sharing that publicly, and that's that's the very gracious of you to do that. And it's humble of you to even give the background in terms of how you responded, why you did. So to give context then to this next part of our discussion, really, really the heart of the matter, I could have made an effort to reach out to you first. The reason I didn't was because of the comments, which to me crossed the line with a potential call for violence. And in the day in which we live... That was a line too far. So I'm I'm going to set things up, and then we'll play the quote, and then you can respond. If you take a minute or you take 10 minutes, that's up to you. But um, sure. here's, here's what I wrote, uh, and this is what you got hit with, all right? This is what you heard from folks. Uh, and by the way, on my own Facebook page, you got tons more support than I did, because once your followers found out that we were in dispute, there was a massive wave of support for you. Your comment to me got over 3,000. Positive responses, by the way. Um, my article got like a thousand and a half. So your comment got...
0: Man, Greg Locke got got some clout out on these uh, Facebook streets, I see. Just to let you know,
3: folks <laughs> were backing you. Okay, so here's what I wrote. <laughs> the boomers be pulling up. <laughs> I mentioned who you are according to your website. Um, then I said in a recent message, he has crossed a very dangerous line. Every God-fearing Christian should denounce his inflammatory rhetoric, rhetoric which could easily lead to bloodshed, then I go through um, other parts of the article, uh, other parts of what you said. Then I give the direct quote that we're about to play for everyone. And we'll do it when we come on the other side of the break. So there's no interruption there. And I wrote this in the plainest of terms. I denounce these words, calling them out for what they are. Absolute, unadulterated garbage. These words are dangerous. These words are despicable. Mm. And these words could lead to bloodshed. So we play the clip and then turn things over to Pastor Locke. Bunch of devils. I'm sick of it.
1: Hey, wanna we'll talk about the insurrection? Mm. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You ain't seen the insurrection yet. Uh. You keep on pushing our buttons, you low down sorry compromisers. You God-hating communist America, you'll find out what an insurrection is because we ain't playing your garbage. We ain't playing your mess. My Bible says that the church of the living God is an institution that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the Bible says that we'll take it by force. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. It's going to get
3: worse. All right. So, Pastor Locke, please. Such a bad take.
2: My whole point of saying about the insurrection was, because I've been on Nancy Pelosi's top 10 or top 40 list, you know, because I was there that day. I was 15 feet from Donald Trump at the Ellipse and all of that. And I have been, you know, leading rallies at Freedom Plaza. So here's what I was saying. I'm saying, look. They need to stop calling this an insurrection because they have no idea what an insurrection is. First of all, it was a very peaceful protest. Yes, some people broke the law. There's no doubt. I decry the fact of anybody that went in unlawfully defaced any property, I've decried that from day one, from the moment that it happened. But if, if Americans wanted an insurrection, we would have had one a very, very long time ago. I call it the theology of redneckness, right? I mean nobody's taken up arms against the government, and we're certainly not calling for that. So I was trying to make the analogy, stop calling it something that it's not because they're trying to make it something bigger than what it really is because if the american people really wanted to they could do that and so that's the analogy that i was trying to draw and i was saying look the local church could even right after that statement if it continued to play i simply said so what am i calling for because i knew people were going to be upset about this i said what am i calling for and i said i'm calling for two things i'm calling for churches to quit being wimpy and i'm calling for pastors to stand up and actually preach the truth of the gospel and the power of the word of god
0: so you're basically asking for people to be more like you greg Locke, because if we're not, we're wimpy and we're weak and we're woke.
2: Once again, I'm not looking for anybody to take up arms. I get how and why some people take it that way, but it's usually the crowd that doesn't already understand the context of who I am.
0: <laughs> There's a context again. I should go back and count how many times he used the word context in this conversation.
2: Things that I have said in the past and the things that I've had to... You know, defend myself over through the media, and that's why so many other people took it a different way. Well, you're taking it out of context. That's not really what he meant. Mm-hmm. Because- so now we're playing semantics. Like, was it an insurrection?
0: Was it not an insurrection? Was it that was what happened? Was illegal and it should not have happened, and it was bad. Okay, so you want to get in the weeds on 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 semantics on whether or not it was an insurrection or not. That it, that was bad. How bad? Up to you to decide.
2: Because I don't believe we're going to get guns, go to the White House, and take it by force. That's why I shifted the theological uh, you know, mindset when I said, okay, we're the local church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I know there's some theological argumentation and conjecture on what that means, taking mm-hmm. it by force. But I'm talking about kingdom-mindedness. The church has to stand up, and we have a responsibility to take this culture back for the gospel. We have to quit getting bullied into a corner and being so PC and politically correct. And so let me just say, what I said was not an incitement to violence. But it was a statement of fact because they can't keep pushing. And I'm convinced that the left wants that to happen. I'm convinced the left wants a civil war to break out. Do I want that? Absolutely not. Do I propagate that? Absolutely 1000% not. But the statement of fact is they're going to have to quit doing this to simple, you know, God fearing American freedom loving patriots because it's going to create violence in the street. We don't want it. But it's a factual statement that they are pushing the American people to that point. And so I was simply making an analogy. But at the end of the day, our fight. Is in the heavenlies. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Do I believe in the Second Amendment? A thousand percent. Do I believe it protects the other ones? Absolutely. Am I telling people, get your Bible, get your guns, let's go to Washington? Absolutely not. <laughs> not at all. Because we are not going to win the war that way. We are going to win the war when the re- re- revival comes to the local church and pastors quit being cowards and they stand up and they bring this nation back to Jesus. And so I know that's kind of a long way around the barn. You can ask any questions because I'm, I'm open. Because I was clear when I said this is what I'm calling for. Churches, quit being wimpy, quit closing down because of the common cold, <laughs> quit believing all this media TV nonsense and please pastors stand up and preach the truth of the bible
3: got it no that, that wasn't a long way around the barn at all uh that, that was clear and much of what you just said uh i've, I've never focused much on second amendment just my own background etc sure. so that's that's never been a focus of mine e- either way um i'm certainly not calling for the government to take our guns obviously i appreciate the right. second amendment but that's just never been something I've, I've, i have enough hills to die on <laughs> i don't add, add to, need to add that in but in in any case yeah, every everything you said—that's been my heart, my message. Book came out October, "Revival or We Die." I've said for decades the problem is not the presence of darkness in America; it's the absence of light. And mm-hmm. the problem starts with us. You know, I've said that over and over, again, endlessly, endlessly, endlessly. That's one of my biggest things about people saying we got to take up arms. It's like we don't even pray. What are you talking about? <laughs> we're, we're not even sharing the gospel with our neighbors. We're not even living right. holy. We, we, many of us don't even vote. So I mean, the problem—the problem is with us. Francis Schaeffer once said that there needs to be a sign in front of every abortion clinic open with permission of the local church. Because if wow. we simply got involved
0: in pro-life work, just in a Woo! holistic way, things would change overnight. That's a gem. Let's pull this back. When I start talking about this stuff, you guys don't get mad, but I'm just going to let Dr. Michael Brown say it. I'm going to let him say it. Listen.
3: So, I mean, the problem, the problem is with us. Francis Schaefer once said that there needs to be a sign in front of every abortion clinic open with permission of the local church.
0: Let that linger.
3: Because if we simply got involved in pro-life work, just in a holistic way, things would change overnight. So,
0: Let that linger. Let that linger.
3: It seems that we're in harmony on many of those points. My concern, and even in the context of your message, you did just kind of say, hey, I haven't talked about politics for months. I think you're teaching on the Lord's Prayer and just went off. So... I know. <laughs> he even
0: acknowledged that in the context of that message, you was talking about the Lord's prayer and just went on another rant.
3: <laughs> audience through radio, internet articles, books, whatever. And I try to weigh every word. And I and I I think I'm also a debater in terms of wanting to speak with absolute clarity every way that I can. I'm going to be misrepresented. I'm going to be misquoted. We understand that. But as much as lies in me, because I've called for revolutions been one of my major themes for over 20 years. I always, always qualify. So there's no possible misunderstanding of what I'm saying. Mm. Do you feel in that moment, especially saying the violent take it by force and now knowing that many of your followers were saying, yes, yes, amen. And that's what the founding fathers did. Do you feel you could have said that in a clearer way?
0: Now, before let him answer this, because when he says here, surprise me. I have to go to our sponsors. Hey, this video is brought to you today by our very own Bless God Shop. The name Bless God is inspired by Luke chapter 2, verse 28, where Simeon encounters a baby Jesus in the temple and proceeds to, quote, bless God. The apparel is intended as a daily reminder to live our life in a way that brings honor and blessing to God. Check out the link to the shop in the description or in the pinned comment below and pick up some of the most sustainable and high quality apparel out there. All right. So he asked him, did you think this would have been taken the way it was? Some of your followers took it as, you know, the violent will take it by force. They haven't seen an insurrection yet. Could you have said this better? And what he goes on to say su- surprises me. And then I got a couple other questions that I wish were asked in this discussion and something that Dr. Michael Brown said on yesterday's live stream that I thought was very, very refreshing that I think is a word for all of us.
2: Yeah, I think in a more understandable, yeah, in a more decisive way perhaps. And matter of fact, the next week I actually, during the offering said, look, let me, let me set the record straight here. <laughs> After everything kind of blew up, I'm like, look, I'm not apologizing for the sentiment of what I said, but I just want to clarify what I did not mean in that particular statement. So certainly as a communicator, I mean, I communicate nearly every day of my life. And so. Yeah, sometimes you say things that inadvertently kind of pop out, especially when you're super demonstrative and you got protesters all over the place and things are happening. We have such a strange context in our church because of the social media visibility that yeah, I very much understand that sometimes I can come off maybe a little bit too hot, and when I come
0: <laughs> maybe a little bit maybe just maybe
2: too hot. It's not that I don't mean what I say. It's that sometimes I can say it in a mean way, and it's taken gloriously out of context by the haters, and then naturally,
0: right. ah, the haters. He has the same apologetic as Stephen Furtick. It's the haters. It's, I'm out of context.
2: <laughs> Love the gospel. Touch it yourself be like, wow, this was a little bit half-cocked. So, yeah, so the next week I made a, an absolute clarification that this is not at all what I'm calling for. And I've done that the entirety of the time since, you know, since January 6th. I let people know, look, these people were wrong for what they did. I was there. It wasn't an insurrection. I'm not calling for one, but let's call this thing what it was.
3: A big issue is we can be bold, courageous, forthright, uncompromising, unashamed, without being mean-spirited. Mm. And, and that's where we bring reproach to the gospel and stir up people in the flesh. And that's been a concern I've had. And what I've seen is if you don't do it like that, to some people, you're not being bold. Mm. So I appreciate you making that distinction. Uh, let, let me ask let me ask this then. I'm gonna play a clip for you from- My, uh, Dr. Michael Brown just came with the receipts. I don't know, play another clip for you. Day before January 6th. And this is, again, he's made reference to the Black Roan Regiment, there have been other speakers making reference to militias and things like that. And then this is how he he ends his message.
1: But we as the Church of the Living God are standing up saying, we're not just mad at hell, but we're mad as hell. And so today I stand with the Black Robe Regiment, and I have one preacher. This is,
3: this is so cringe. Declaring to patriots, it is time for war. Right, that same pastor came on my personal Facebook page, called me a sissified preacher, and wanted to... Be clear he was standing with you comments that are so terribly concerning to me in the unstable environment in which we we live today and to me completely opposite to getting work done by the gospel what's your take
2: yeah you know i was there you know because i actually spoke at that rally in the morning and in the evening i know the gentleman in question you know we've been friends and we've you know preached together in meetings through the last couple of years and things and i and i saw uh, where he had come on and kind of defended me and i, and I even kind of and i told our church and then people online i said please stop trying to defend me i, I understand that it feels cavalier and you love me and all of that. And you're mad at what you know, Dr. Brown or whoever at that moment did. But you're going to have to stop defending me because all it does is put more blood in the water, for mm. more people to come and bring a black eye out of the body of Christ. And-
0: I will say that Greg Locke is refreshingly self-aware in understanding his contribution in these types of conversations and how he is perceived and how people will defend him and how he he was able to navigate this conversation.
2: Don't want that. And so, you know, I can't speak for the context of what he meant, but I can tell you that out of four books that the Lord has blessed that we've written, my first one is called This Means War, and it very much is all about spiritual warfare. <laughs> so oh, when yeah. I start talking about war, I can promise you it's suiting up and booting up with the whole armor of God.
3: And you have a crowd there that legitimately believes that their nation, their liberty, their freedom has been stolen from them, literally, and that they'll never have another free election, and that there's reference to Black Robe Regiment, and it's time for war, that's really dangerous rhetoric.
0: So there's a part here that really did surprise me.
3: Uh, but you did make some some strong statements about me in that. Was that just the emotion of the moment, or do you feel, do you hold to what you wrote there in terms of I sound more woke, the more things are going on, and in my article I made some very immature and unbiblical statements. Is that your feeling now, and would you like to explain to me how you feel that way, or was that just the yeah, heat I, of the moment? Yeah, a couple
2: things about that. I, I think some of it was of the moment response just because i was kind of shocked and maybe if i would have come across it myself it would have been different but all of a sudden my phone started you know lighting up this christmas tree look what this guy's saying about you i can't believe this i've I respected this man i supported his ministry and now he's turning against my friend and so you know they're sending me all these articles you know and so this guy's woke you know look what he said about trump and this, this, this. and so mine was my-
0: you know that we're we've entered <laughs> we've entered a bizarre time when dr michael brown is woke that's that's something else
2: how did this happen, right? How did he go to the, if you will, dark side of this? And so it was a very quick response to, man, why are these people sending me all of this, you know, this vitriol from this guy? And then when I sat down and I read it, I was like, okay, you know, maybe he doesn't understand the context of what I just shared with you. Yeah,
0: there's a the word context again
2: here, you know, live that, you know, you had a lot of, you know, input and in, in my life and coming out of a lot of the things that I did, but. You know, when I came out, I was I was pretty hot. I was like, man, you know, I didn't want to meet this guy. You know, think about having this guy in our church. You know, trying to reach out to this guy, and then all of a sudden, well, now my legs are cut out from under me. You know, now everybody sees it for what it is. And so, man, I just started getting stuff from all over the nation. I guarantee you, I got a hundred responses before you and I ever even had the first text message. And it was quick. And I was like, wow. And so I began to realize it. Kind of, it, it kind of took me off guard. I'm like, this is the last. Exposure that I need right now from somebody that actually has real credibility in the evangelical Christian world. This is the last thing I need, and so I think it was a knee jerk reaction to be like, "What in the world is he just as woke as the rest of them?" And so that's where that kind of came from.
3: And, and look, I I do believe it's important. The more exposure we have before the world, we've already been caricatured, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're already white supremacists, racists who want to overthrow the nation. And I know you have an adopted daughter who's who's a person of color. Uh, so I, I understanding your own family life is anything but racist and that's what you've got sure. to clear in your local church but we're caricatured we're ready you know bible thumping haters screamers etc and and
0: you know for- so don't add to that caricature right I think that's what most of us would say be sensible be aware let's not add to that like so
3: i'll t- again i'll take reproach for the gospel 24 7 if i'm not hated yes. by somebody and lied about online by somebody in a, in a one hour period I wonder what happened? Am I doing, am I doing something <laughs> wrong? You know, cause it, it comes with the turf. I fully understand that. But I think to the extent there can be grace in our speech, there can, there, we're not mean spirited. We don't give way to the flesh. To that extent, we can separate persecution for the gospel and, and opposition because of our own flesh. Mm. And that to me is something important. To someone, it may sound weak, but these days when something crosses a certain line, I've yeah. got to nail it immediately and speak out immediately, which is why I did what we did. I appreciate you clarifying everything. I appreciate your graciousness towards me, and I do hope we can meet uh, face-to-face one of these days and and talk in a different setting. We've got a minute left. Is there anything else you'd like to to say to to
0: everyone listening now? What he says next kind of surprised me, if I'm honest with you.
2: A lot of, of grooming from the Lord and a lot of maturity, and I want to grow in the Word, and I want to grow as a shepherd. And so, although I really came off hot a couple of weeks ago, I really am trying to find the balance between the angry prophet and The Humble Shepherd. And that's a difficult that's a difficult line for a guy like me because I am very, very pushback. And so just just to be fair, I think, w- with myself, I- I'm looking for that area of growth. And maybe moving forward, that's an area that you'll be able to help me in. And, uh, and so there is...
0: Looking for the area of growth between Angry Prophet and Kind Shepherd, and maybe this is something Dr. Michael Brown can help him grow in. Was not expecting him to say that.
2: Angry Prophet syndrome within me, But there's also a very kind shepherd that just loves people and just wants to preach Jesus in me as well and I'm trying to I'm trying to merge the two I really am.
0: Two questions I wish were asked and I'm gonna play something that Dr. Michael Brown said in yesterday's stream that I found is extremely applicable and relevant to all of us. Question number one would be who are Greg Locke's elders? Is there elders? Are there people around him in proximity that can hold him accountable to some of the stuff that could pull him to the side and say, hey, you crossed the line there. You went too far there. What happened? The other question that Dr. Michael Brown didn't ask that I probably would have asked is, hey, there's been some really serious allegations about your past divorce, adultery, remarriage. What is going on there? I think the first question ties into the second question. Are there elders in the mix in his local body that can hold him accountable where he doesn't have infinite power to say, do, lead however he wants to and no one's there to check him? Because I think the first question ties into where the second Situation that came out a couple of years ago about a potential secretary and all kinds of stuff. Again, not sure if those are allegations, not sure if these things are actual literal, but I think in a lot of these churches that are not under any type of major denomination, these pastors can have absolute power and we know that absolute power absolutely corrupts so i wish that was asked in this conversation because i think it's a it's a very fair point if this man was pastoring and committed adultery and never sat down and just kept going because he leads in a way that is a kind of narcissistic cult of personality again i'm, I'm, I'm asking i'm not stating with certainty because i don't know if that's the infrastructure in in the way this is set up man that that that's going to create uh, a breeding ground for moments like this and so none of the you know viral clips surprise me at all if there's no elders involved if there's no one to keep him accountable if there's no one to challenge him if there's no one to say hey you can't do that did he ever get sat down did he ever repent did he right uh very messy situation Uh, And a lot of just kind of sketchy stuff about his reputation out there. So here is Dr. Michael Brown's stream from yesterday, and it's called Peacemakers or Troublemakers. He loosely touches on this conversation now with Greg Locke, but I thought this was a great word for many of us who are living in these times and maybe thinking about these different issues that we're dealing with. Check this out:
3: Because of your identification with Jesus, because of your following the Master, then rejoice. It may be painful. Rejection may sting. There may be some real, difficult, painful consequences, but praise God. We rejoice. The world is treating us the way it treated Jesus. Acts 5.41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. They've just been flogged. I've never been flogged. It can't be pleasant. They've just been flogged. They leave the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Why? Because they were accounted worthy of suffering reproach for the name.
0: So he says here, if you face rejection, if you've suffered because of Jesus, rejoice in that. And that can look different, right? He's talking about the apostles getting flogged. Some of us could have just lost friendships. I've lost friendships because I've uncomprom- I've been uncompromising about certain Christian principles, certain Christian values, certain things that people want to tolerate, that I-, I won't tolerate in certain relationships that I have, right? So he's saying, hey, if you've lost, if you've suffered persecution, rejoice in that. But listen to the caveat. Listen to what he says next.
3: They're suffering the same way he suffered. Praise God. What a privilege. At the same time, Jesus says this to us Blessed, truly happy are the peacemakers. Amen. For they shall be called children of God. Peacemakers. We should seek to be peacemakers. Second Corinthians five, we are ambassadors of reconciliation we go to a lost world and say, be reconciled to God. And and the wisdom that comes from above, let me read this to you. We're gonna go to James chapter three, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, Full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This should characterize us as much as it lies on us. I would, I would be shattered if they hated me because I acted like a jerk. I would be shattered if they hated me because I was obnoxious. Come on. I would be shattered if they hated me because I had a foul temper. So let's take the reproach of the cross. But let's not bring reproach to the cross by our
0: foul behavior that's so good and i think that's the ultimate goal here right like where are the peacemakers where are the people who are looking to press into the middle have conversations build relationship and actually make progress and not just be polarizing have culture war brain be attackful and and, and intentionally straw man generalized the same way we don't like to be generalized the same way we don't like to be discarded and dismissed yet we exhibit that same type of behavior to people that we already know are spiritually lost that we know are spiritually blind and yet we're just Lumping them all as one and the same. So I really appreciated this conversation. If you guys want to go back in time and see my conversation, my very first conversation with Dr. Michael Brown regarding all the election deception, mass deception of our country, be sure to check this out right here. And there's another video that YouTube thinks you'll like from my channel. See you over there. All right. Peace.